The Hammer, Chapter 15 The tunnel wound on for miles. To save their last fire stick, Tsarik insisted they travel in darkness. Corvin pulled the hammer from under his cloak and found the insignia was giving off a feeble light, like a flashlight with the batteries almost gone. Still, it was enough to keep from stubbing his toes on the rocks, and for that he was grateful. Tsarik stayed well forward of the pale pool of light, as if he were afraid it would bite his heels. Is it much farther, Tsarek? We've been walking for hours. Just a bit more, I think. The roof is... Corvin's head scraped a rock jutting down from the roof. Ouch! You should crawl, sir. The ceiling is quite low. Corvin got down on all fours. Fortunately, the floor here was soft and sandy. How much farther to the tight spot? Not far. Corvin soon realized that not far likely meant something different to Sarek than it did to him. He tucked the cloak under his belt to free up his legs. His knees ached and he had to jam the hammer under the front strap of the pack so he could use both hands. Tsarek stopped. The ceiling gets lower now. You will need to take off your pack and push it. Corvin pulled out the hammer and unbuckled the straps to remove the pack. I'm not sure I want to push it in front of me. It might get stuck. Tsarek turned to face him. Perhaps if you tied it to your leg and pulled it along behind you. No, that's not a good idea. If the pack got stuck, I could not get past you to release it from your leg. Corvin shivered at the thought. His father had told him about a man who had been exploring a small cave when a rock rolled behind him and trapped his legs. His rescuers could see him, but they couldn't pull him free. They tried to tunnel around him, but after ten days he'd lost too much body heat and died from hypothermia. I think I might just leave it here. If I get through, you can bring my rope and I can pull it from the other side. Is there enough space to turn around after the tight spot? It comes out in a larger cavern. I think it might be a part of the outer edges of the core. The shield walls transmit light from inside the core, and I thought I saw a bit of light in the crack. It was very dim, so either we are a long way out, or the core was in a dark cycle. Corvin didn't understand all that Sark had said, but at least it sounded like there was some hope of getting through. Let's keep going. Sark moved off into the darkness. Corvin left the pack behind and followed, the soft glow from the hammer in his hand lighting the way. The tunnel got progressively lower, but he could still wiggle snake-like along the floor. The sleeve of his cloak caught on a rock. He was stuck, his left hand unable to move forward or back. Panic welled up inside him as the passage squeezed in. Everything in him clamored to thrash about and get out of this tiny space. There were millions of tons of rock above and on every side of him, the musky-smelling dust of it clogging his nose. He gasped and tried to pull in a breath, but it was almost impossible to breathe. Beside him, the hammer's glow cast a perfectly round circle onto the tunnel wall. The words of the script seemed more natural when projected this way. He still couldn't read them, but in a strange way they reassured him that things would be okay. He let the soft glow calm his mind and his muscles relaxed. He breathed in and out slowly until his pulse returned to normal. Visualizing his cloak and the jagged rock that had snagged it, he rotated his shoulder and body until the trapped sleeve slid free. Focusing the light of the hammer on the sand in front of his face, he wiggled forward. Look this way, sir. Zarek's muffled voice came from Corvin's left, where two gleaming eyes looked at him through a narrow crack in the wall. This is the spot, sir. You must get through this hole to make it through into the chamber I'm standing in. Corvin inspected the crack. The space he was crawling through ran horizontally, but the crack ran vertically. Where the two met, a small angular opening had formed, but it was far too small. His stomach clenched at the thought of wriggling back through the tunnel, only to die trapped in that last cave. He lowered his forehead to the cold rock. My shoulders won't fit through there. 
You must try, sir. There is no other way out. If you do not make it through, you will most certainly die in there. Just like Kate would if he didn't find her. He thought of her face when she had passed through the last tunnel. In his mind, he could see her eyes begging for his help. Corvin summoned his courage and examined the small opening. There's more than one way to skin a cat, he mumbled. It is not worth the effort, sir. I have tried the creature called Cat. They are tough and do not taste very good. Corvin looked at the unblinking eyes. His mother had always wondered what had become of her favorite tabby. Those words are just an expression. It means there are always more solutions if you look hard enough and take the time to think things through. I'm not going to die of hunger in the next ten minutes, so let's look at the problem carefully. My shoulders won't get any smaller, but maybe there's a way to make the hole larger. How about the hammer? Oh, that would not be a good idea, sir. I do not think this hole is very stable. There is a large overhang of rock above this crack, and it could collapse at any time. It may not be the best skinning of a cat to try the hammer. The risk is great, and... All right, I get the picture. How about a fire stick? You said it could burn through rock. Not all rock. This is the core shield. A fire stick will not burn it. If we try, the stick will explode. Corvin held the hammer closer to the vertical crack. The rock was shiny and black, like the piece of obsidian rock he had in his collection at home. This is the main wall around the core? I believe so. The cavern on this side smells like the core. Corvin sniffed at the faint movement of air coming through the hole. It was damp and smelled of rotting compost. It doesn't smell very good. The pale eyes blinked rapidly. It smells like home. Then I have to make it through. If I twist diagonally in the opening, that might give me a bit more space to work with. But I need to take the cloak off first. It might bunch up and trap me. Corvin squirmed out of the cloak and quickly realized just how cool the cave walls were. Pulling his legs up behind him, he dug his toes into the soft sand and rotated his body until he was heading toward Sarek. He pushed into the crack and stopped. If this is the shield wall, will it close and squish me like the blue wall around your fire stick? I don't think so, sir. This one has not changed color or become soft. Corvin gingerly touched the hard crystalline surface. Nothing moved. All right, then. Here goes nothing. Excuse me, sir? Where is nothing, and where will it be going? Corvin ignored the questions, extended his arms into the opening, and pushed forward. Zarek backed away from the hammer's glow. You are doing it, sir. Keep coming. Not far now. Corvin pushed again, but his feet no longer gripped in the sand. His legs were too confined to offer any advantage. He wiggled and squirmed, and ever so slowly his body moved through the narrow niche. Your hands are through, sir. Keep coming. The rock surface pushed on his chest and tore at his shoulders. Was the shield trying to squeeze him out of the core? He couldn't get a full breath. Panic swept over him, and he jerked erratically in the tiny space, banging his flailing legs and knees against the rocks behind him. He gained a few precious inches. His face emerged from the other side of the crack. You are here, sir. I am so happy. Zark's face was level with him. The lizard stood on a narrow rock shelf. Below him, a long scree slope of broken rock shards stretched away into the darkness. Now that his head was free, Corvin's breathing slowed. My head may be through, but my shoulders don't want to follow. It gets more narrow at this end. But if I can get one shoulder out, my body will follow. Can you pull on my arm? Corvin wriggled his left hand. The lizard held out both claws and clasped them together so Corvin could wrap his fingers around them. Okay, Tsarek, lean back and pull. The lizard leaned back. Corvin's shoulder moved forward slightly, but then jammed tight. The folds of his shirt bunched and pinched at his flesh. I think my shirt is part of the problem. Can you climb up by my shoulder and pull some of the cloth through the opening? 
The lizard scrambled up the wall and found enough toeholds to get close to the trap shoulder. A sharp yank was followed by the sound of tearing cloth. So sorry, sir. I think I have ruined your garment. Cool air flowed over his forearm as Sark reappeared with Corbin's shirt sleeve draped over a claw. I think we must remove the skin from a different cat, sir. Corvin managed a wry smile. We have to free my shoulder. Take the hammer and carefully chip away at the rock lip that has it trapped. Sark shook his head so vigorously his scales rattled. I cannot touch the hammer. It may kill me, and you will still be stuck. Wrap my shirt sleeve around the handle, like you did when you wrapped rags around your paws on the rock. That may work. Just a moment. Sark bent to the ground. Corvin heard the soft hiss of a fire stick. Its harsh light hit his eyes, and he cried out in pain. Put out the light! It's too bright! Corvin clamped his eyes shut. Sorry, sir. There, is that better? Corvin opened his eyes. All he could see was a milky white orb. His eyes felt gritty. Is it still on? No, sir, it is out. Corvin recalled something like this happening to his father when he was welding. He couldn't see very well for almost a week. His cramped body tightened with fear. He must not panic. His eyesight should eventually return. Right now he had to get out of the crack. Move the fire stick farther away from me on the other side, then light it again. I'll drop the hammer and you try to chip away the rock by my shoulder. Zark scrambled around as Corvin relaxed his fingers to let the hammer fall. As it left his hand, a wave of helplessness coursed through him. Corvin forced himself to relax and concentrate on the white lights that floated before his eyes. They had already faded slightly, a good sign. I am ready, sir. Please hold still. A sharp crack was followed immediately by a deep gong and a rumbling whoosh past Corvin's ears. The air was filled with dust. He choked and coughed, his chest squeezing painfully against the rocks. What's going on? The only sound was sliding rock and crashing boulders on the slope below. Zarek? Loud echoes mixed with the clatter of small rocks peppering down from above. The acrid taste of panic mingled with the dusty talc in his mouth. If Zarek had been killed by the rocks, he would die trapped in this hole, just like the man in his dad's story. Fear rose up in his throat. That was a close one, sir. I do hope there are not any Buruks hunting close by. The voice of the lizard spoke quietly in the dense air. I barely touched the rock, and the whole wall shook. A large piece of the slab above you came down and just missed your head. We cannot try that again, sir. The rest of the boulder hangs above your head and may come down at any moment. A small rock clattered down, glancing with a sharp blow of Corvin's head and bouncing away down the slope. A low grinding followed. The rock is sliding. Pull your head back. Zark pushed frantically on Corvin's head, but it was no use. He stopped. The cavern was silent. Sir? The lizard's tense voice whispered in his ear. We must push you back or pull you out now. The huge rock balances just over your head. A few more inches and we will both be crushed. Corvin could think of only one way to rescue a trapped person. He had seen a diagram in one of his dad's caving books. To bring the shoulders in, the rescuers would break one of the trapped person's collarbones and push the shoulder in toward the body. He shuddered. The rock grumbled. Zark tensed. Pain would be better than death. Zark, you must use the hammer again. Sir, if I touch the wool, the rock will surely come down on us. Not the rock, Zark. This time you must strike me. Sir? It took a while to convince the lizard of the necessity of the operation and the method by which it must be accomplished. Zark argued against striking Corvin, but slowly he began to understand. Zark refused to use the hammer and went off to find a smooth rock. Corvin was starting to have second thoughts by the time Zark came back. I am ready, sir. 
Make sure you hit me hard enough. I don't want to do this more than once. The lizard's claws caress Corvin's skin, making sure of the placement of the long, thin bone. Corvin closed his eyes and waited. There was a long pause. Corvin was just about to ask Sark what he was doing when he felt an intense jolt of pain shoot through his body. In the haze, he heard Sark talking in his ear, begging him to push with his legs. The lizard tugged at his torn shirt and pushed on his broken collarbone. Corvin wanted to yell at him to stop. It hurt too much, but no words would come out. He pushed hard with his feet, and a ragged cry escaped his throat. Suddenly, his body was free of the confines of the hole. He tumbled forward, bumping and sliding over the rocky slope, until he came to rest against a large boulder. Instantly, Sark was beside him. "'Sir, are you still alive?' he whispered. Corvin groaned. Tsarek put a paw over Corvin's mouth. I know you are in much pain, sir, but you must be as quiet as possible. If the Buruks have heard, they will come to investigate. The paw patted his head lightly. Please, lie still while I go get your pack. I will return quickly. In a moment, he was back, laying something on Corvin's stomach. Here is your hammer. I am going to put out our light in case the Buruks come. Light? Corvin could only see the white orbs. If the creatures Sark mentioned came, he would be defenseless. Fear mingled with the pain and gagged him. His broken collarbone grated with each convulsion of his chest. A rock rolled down the slope from above. Corvin's heart skipped a beat. He bit his lips and forced back another coughing fit. He had to move out of the way of the boulder balanced above him. He tried to sit up, but searing pain pulled him back down. Raising his good arm, he wrapped his hand around the smooth handle of the hammer. His mind cleared with a renewed sense of hope. The hammer would heal cuts. Would its power fix a broken bone? He had to try. Drawing the injured arm over his stomach, he winced as bone ground against bone. He gingerly traced the path of the collarbone with his finger. Yes, there was the broken spot. The bones were back in alignment. As he stroked the handle along his shoulder, the pain eased. He lifted his arm, and the ugly sound of bone on bone washed over him in waves of pain. Tears welled up in his eyes. The hammer could not heal him. He was helpless. He savagely wiped his eyes until the handle was slick with his tears. Stop it, he whispered. Crying will solve nothing. You have to take care of your arm in a different way. He blinked away the tears and focused on the hammer in his hands. Its circles glowed faintly. Although the hammer had not fixed his arm, it had healed his eyes and the white light was gone. He could see clearly again. A pebble rolled down the slope. He turned his head and saw Tsarek picking his way down, the bulky pack balanced on his back. Corvin waited for the lizard to join him. Tsarek stopped a foot away and leaned forward as if listening intently. What are you doing? The lizard jumped straight up and the weight of the pack dropped him onto his back against the slope. He looked like an upside-down turtle, legs and head churning in circles, trying to grab an advantage from the air. Finally, he managed to get back to his feet. I do not like it when you use those special shoes to sneak up on me. I could not see you in the dark, and with the pack on I could not smell you, so I did not even know you were there. But can't you see me now? The lizard seemed to look right past him. Are you making one of your jokes, sir? Corvin looked down the cavern. Even without the fire stick he could still see in a murky sort of way. The far end of the tunnel faded to blackness, but he could make out the end where it turned the corner. He squinted into the gloom. Something was moving slowly in the shadows down there. Tsarek. What does a burak look like? They are hard to see. They take on the appearance of the rocks in which they live. What do they do? They guard the far reaches of the core. Sometimes settlement workers try to escape to the outer edges. The buraks prevent them. How? They are meat-eaters, Kalian. 
How big are they? They are very large. They have a poor sense of sight, but they hear quite well. Corvin swallowed. I think one is guarding the way into this cavern. How do you know? I can't see anything. I can see it, he whispered. The hammer healed my eyes. He gripped the handle tightly. There's a large creature down by the far end. Sark stepped in the general direction of the entrance and stood in silence. You are correct, sir. I hear something, and there is a faint smell of burrock in the air. Can you see only one? Yes, it is moving back and forth. Then it is waiting for its partner. They hunt in pairs. They have heard our noise and have come to satisfy their hunger. Can we get past it before the other one arrives? We could try, but when they sense fresh meat, they can move very fast. He stepped back to Corvin. Let's get a little closer and see if we can find a way around it. Corvin bent forward and groaned. I can't carry the pack. My arm doesn't work very well. I could carry it for you, sir, but I would not move very fast in the dark. A low, grumbling growl grew to a grating shriek that echoed through the chamber. Its partner has arrived. The hunt has begun. You must wait here while I draw them away. But you can't see them. I can smell them and hear them. It is the only way, for you cannot move fast enough to get away. If I can get past them, they will pursue me. They do not know there are two of us here, and they will not let a sure meal get away. Wait here until they are gone, then move as quickly as you can out of this tunnel. If you cannot find me, just keep going down, always down. When you reach the core, seek out the chief family of the temple priests. They stay in the only dwelling with a pointed roof. He made his claws into a sharp point over his head. Tsarek, you can't do this. What if you get caught? It does not matter. You must escape and save the Kate. He placed a paw on Corvin's hand. I did not want to worry you, sir, but the Kate is not of the Corps. Anxiety nodded his stomach. What does that mean? The lizard ducked his head. She cannot live long under the light of the Lumians. If you do not find her soon, she will fall into a deep sleep. And? She will never wake up. But if he finds her, while she is still alive, her fate will be worse than death. Corvin opened his mouth to ask what could be worse than death, but another rumbling growl echoed off the walls. Tearing his gaze away from Sark, he peered back down the cavern. A strong odor reached him. It reminded him of freshly butchered chickens. Movement caught the corner of his eye. One Burak stood high on the slope to his right. He looked back down. The other one must be hiding among the boulders on the floor. In a burst of movement, a small form darted between a gap in the boulders. Tsarek tumbled down into an open space on the floor, crying out in pain as he fell. A deep grunt pulled Corvin's gaze to the right. Deburak was close enough now that he could make out the bulbous eyes on its flat, angular head. It stared at the cavern floor, its head cocked to one side. A series of clicks from its hunting partner below caught Deburak's ears, and its head bobbed up and down. A wide mouth opened to reveal twin rows of jagged teeth. The creature's throat bulged in and out like a bullfrog's, emitting a series of gulps and clicks. Corvin looked to the floor of the cavern. Sark was on his feet, moving slowly but dragging one leg. More noises came from the burak on the slope. Sark stopped. As Corvin watched in horror, a huge rock behind the lizard shifted slightly. It was not a rock. It was the other burak. Sark was heading directly into a trap. Corvin took a step forward. A pebble broke free from under his foot. The burak to his right turned to face him, its flat face swinging from side to side. Corvin froze. 
If he moved, the Burak would know he was there, but if he didn't, Sark would die. The beast stared sightlessly into the dark until a cry from the cavern below grabbed its attention. Sark dragged his injured leg behind him as he floundered about on the rocky floor. He stopped and held both paws over his mouth as if trying not to cry out in pain. He turned his head in Corva's directions and raised his claws over his head, touching them together. A dark shape loomed up behind him. For a fleeting second, Corvin saw the outlines of the lizard, and then he was gone. A moment passed in eerie silence. Then a slow, rhythmic throbbing sounded out. The large shadow on the floor rose up on its hind legs and danced in a slow circle, pounding its feet on the ground. The burak on the slope rumbled a response and slid toward the floor, responding with more grating shrieks. The dancing creature turned toward Corvin. From its mouth hung Sarek's lifeless body.